Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Bright Side with Technicia. And today is December the 6th, 2016, a very special day. Today is my daughter's birthday. They're 11 today. So, yay. I really feel special. They're growing up so fast. And thank you for welcoming me into your home, to your Internet box, iPad, iPhone, whichever device you are using to listen to me now. I really feel welcomed. Today with me is Dr. Jeffrey R. Fidel. We are going to be talking about bipolar disorder, mental illnesses, and also Dr. Fidel will be telling you how he found a special, I guess, a special training to liberate himself from his bipolar disorder and mind-numbing drugs prescribed to him. So if you know of anyone that you probably, that's probably going through this situation right now, that you know of, that you heard about it, you're still curious, don't have the answers to it, this is the show today to get your questions answered. And you could call in at 347-426-3751. So, Dr. Jeffrey, thank you for being here today, first and foremost. Um, So let's get into it a little bit about your background. How was bipolar disorder discovered to you? Well, first, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> um, I was first diagnosed uh, bipolar when I was 28 years old, um, 45 right now. And basically what bipolar is, is it's an un- unhealthy thinking process. Uh, and it's how someone reacts to their thoughts in their mind, which uh, pretty much determines how healthy they are. Uh, in life in general as far as mental health is it's it's our reaction to our thoughts and our mind that pretty much determines um, how how much inner peace we'll have in our lives hello okay oh. yes I'm here Dr. Jeffrey so Dr. Jeffrey we created this book which I found very interesting um, tell our viewers what they were actually finding this book and how you, what made you decide to write it? So the book is, uh, it's it's very much a personal memoir of uh, what happened to me after um, I lost my marriage and my dog, and then I also voluntarily left my job as a practicing physician and then I also threw out all my medications. And this was almost two years ago now when this had happened. And the memoir describes after all those events occurred in my life, which were very traumatic to me, um, it's kind of like my life on the outside fell apart. Uh, the right. book is a description of, of, of the suffering, the mental suffering that I endured after... I threw my meds away, and I took um, this inward journey, which um, took place in virtually complete isolation from the rest of society uh, over a a period of time of one and a half years, Um, and then how I discovered something within myself that that enabled me to heal um, and find uh, the inner peace that I was looking for. So let's take it a step back, um, Dr. Jeffrey. Let's talk about what your life was like before your inward journey. Okay, so before my inward journey, uh, I uh, grew up in New York, uh, and I then went off to college. Uh, I was pre-medical. I went to college at Brandeis, and then after college, uh, I went on to medical school at Tulane University in New Orleans, 
And then I went down to Miami and I did a residency in diagnostic radiology. Uh, and then I practiced as a practicing physician for about 15 or 18 years or so. I was uh, working in the hospitals and uh, outpatient centers as a um, radiologist. So I was, you know, from... From a perspective of American society, I was kind of just living uh, what one would say is a, you know, a, a relatively normal life, uh, just going on to school and, and getting a job, so to say, which is what most people do in their lives. Uh, we go to school, or even if we don't go to school, we just go off and we, um, you know, we do work for a living and we make an income and we get married and we have kids. So, in that way. Right. I lived um, that life, um, and that was the life that I always knew up until the inward journey. Okay. Now, what what actually life events triggered you to take this inward journey? Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what happened. That my life was going well. <laughs> you know, I was right. Well, I thought you know I was a doctor. Uh, you know, I still am, but. When when I got divorced uh, and then my dog died, those two uh, traumas uh, spent, uh, sent uh, sent me into a, a spiral. Um, I really didn't know how I was going to continue living after that. It was it was such a trauma to me um, because no one in my family had ever gotten divorced before. It was kind of um, I don't know. I, I perceived myself as uh, something of a failure uh and uh and then the dog I was extremely close to my um dogs and and one uh, that dog uh my dog Teeny her name was uh she passed away and then uh you know all these things happening all at once it was just too much for me to to handle so to say and that sparked off uh the whole change in my life. Uh, so I don't, I wouldn't have voluntarily took this inward journey, so to say, if I had continued to be married and my dog continued to live, I probably would have just gone on, uh, being a practicing physician and none of this would have happened. Why? Just kept your normal life as you've seen it. How old were you when you were actually diagnosed? So the diagnosis of bipolar was when I was 28, but I okay, and I'm 45 now. But I uh, before I was diagnosed bipolar, my initial diagnosis was depression, and that goes all the way back to when I was 20 years old. So I was medicated for mental illness uh, for about 25 years, um, which is a large part of my lifetime, and even before uh, age 20. I, you know, it wasn't like uh, my childhood was like, I didn't perceive it as being the happiest childhood, um, even dating way back to maybe when I was seven, I think, is when I um, started to perceive that uh, I wasn't really a happy child, so to say. So it goes way back to towards the beginning of my life. Wow. That's a lot to take on, but I'm glad that you are able to cope with it. I have a friend who actually goes, who has bipolar disorder, and she goes through it, and she'll tell you, hey, look, I haven't bathed. No, you have to tell her that she has to go bathe if she has a certain order, but she knows if, like, she hasn't taken her medicine. And she used to work so well around me as a waitress, and you could never – I actually did not know it because someone actually gave me the hint, like, okay, she's bipolar. And I'm like, okay, wow. Because it's, it's not detectable. It's not like, oh, okay, you could just tell it's not blurred out on someone's shirt or anything. Um, but that I'm, I'm glad that you are able to cope with it. You're doing things. Did anything, did anything specifically happen to make you want to see a doctor about this situation? Yeah, um, so basically when I was 28, um, mm -hmm. see, no person is bipolar. Um, and this okay. is just like no person is depressed. 
Uh, What it is is just it's a state of mind that the person is in. So uh, I want to just clarify that. Uh, Is that any mental illness is just an unhealthy reaction to a thinking process. So, uh, but getting back to uh, what you were saying is when I was 28, uh, I was in a state of mind. You see, I liberated myself from the state of mind called bipolar. Um, But when I was diagnosed at 28 with bipolar, um, I went to the doctor because um, my mind was um, overpowering me to the point that I couldn't function anymore in society, meaning that the thoughts in my mind were that I didn't want to live anymore because these are the thoughts that go on within the mind of someone that's depressed or bipolar. It's a repetitive cycle of thoughts that, uh, you know, the person says to themselves in their mind, uh, I can't go on anymore. I don't want to live anymore. Uh, I'd be happier if I weren't here. I'd be happier if I had someone else. All these thoughts consume the mind. And and so that's uh, – if, if people get carried away with those types of thoughts, then they're in a state which is labeled as depression. Uh, they might want to sleep all day. That's their behavior. They might get carried away with the thoughts, and then they want to just curl up in bed the whole day. Um, and then they're labeled as depressed. Uh, now, mania, what that is, is pre- pretty much uh, if you can imagine – having the ability to shut off the thoughts in your mind, now you don't have those bad thoughts in your mind anymore. And you're Mm -hmm. free of thought. So then you're in a state of happiness. And and that's the way that works. The only problem is is that when your thoughts come back on again, they're back to those depressed thoughts. So now your mind is kind of stuck in two different states. It's either a happy state or a depressed state. And that's that's manic depression right there. It's that simple. Wow. You, I will have to agree with you on that, Dr. Jeffrey, about no one's actually, the way that these terms are thrown out here, no one's actually that. I think sometimes it's all about how our mind picks up certain things and the way we perceive stuff. No one walks around and have depression. I think our mind plays, our mind plays a big part into and it's it's way a lot deeper but my next question would be for you how did you feel when you were actually diagnosed oh (laughs) well that's the thing is that i don't think anyone likes getting a diagnosis because it's 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 a label (laughs) so to say right so no one likes to be labeled as anything um no human being is a label um that reduces a person into a label. So I didn't enjoy being labeled as a bipolar. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time when I was in this state of mind, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to accept that label as a bipolar. It's kind of like, well, I'm not a bipolar. <laughs> you know, I'm a human being like any other human being. So just receiving a label and that's a lot of the problem with psychiatry. I, I don't think that uh, – I think it's understated how labeling another human being can actually have an effect on that human being because no one likes to be labeled um, other than – you know, all human beings are the same. Um, it doesn't matter what a person believes because um, those are just thoughts of what we believe. Each person has their own belief. Um, And that's very heavy dependent on where we grew up, you know, and that's the belief system that we we get, where we grow up. But behind the thoughts and beliefs, uh, we're all human beings, and that's kind of, um, it's as simple as that. So, um, you know, how much we get carried away with our thoughts really is going to determine how happy or how much inner peace we have as human beings. Right. I totally agree. No one wants to actually be labeled. And if you have faith, faith goes a long ways. It does. It will take you a long ways. If if you are in that certain situation, I would not claim it. Don't claim it. Don't. And, and don't know one, like you said, they don't want to be labeled. 
I mean, unless, I mean, it doesn't make any sense as to why people want to be labeled other than maybe the benefits that some probably get from able to draw disability. But other than that, no, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't even claim it. I agree with you totally. And everybody has their own religion. But for me personally, with my religion, no, I don't claim it. I rebuke it. I pray about it. Um, For instance, I know it's on a different topic, but my daughters were um, tested for ADHD. Doctor tell me, oh, well, you can put them on medicine. No, ma'am. I will not because that guilt going to come along with me once I put them on the medicine. They might end up turning out like zombies. It might make them weaker, make them confused, drowsy, or whatnot. I'm not going to put them on it. I'm sure I have even talked with people who were tested for ADHD. It's something that you can either take medicine for or you can either grow up and you learn how to deal with it, and I'm going to choose for mine to deal with it. And it's not fun to hear those terms, ADHD, bipolar, manic depression. My mother went through depression. It's not fun to hear those, but at the same time, those are things that you have to learn how to contend with and while trying to fall into the gaps of medication. Because to me, I talked about on my other show, all this medication around here, Dr. Jeffrey, if you probably – I don't know if you agree with me, but in a way, it's like a way to make money off of you. Okay, you have this problem. Pop a pill. You got this issue. Pop a pill. No, I don't want to pop a pill because I got this issue. <laughs> pop a pills are not going to make things go away. It's going to probably make it worse, you know. So, mm. Yeah, so the pills are just treating the mind. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, because human beings are more than their minds, if we look at any human right. being, we don't even get to see what they're thinking. We see the complete right. being. Uh, but and, and, and look, ADHD and, and, uh, is um, ADHD is coming around because uh, kids nowadays are brought up in highly stimulating environments. They're they're getting right. exposed to iPads and iPhones since birth. Um, so that's why their minds and their thoughts are more active than, uh, let's say, a doctor is looking at a child. Now, from the doctor that's 60 years old, he grew up with a book and a newspaper, and he's trying to figure out what's going on with another child that's uh, brought up in a very heavy technology world. Now, their two minds are completely different. One is like, you know, thinking to themselves, well, when I was a child, I could sit down and read a book that's 500 pages. But that's not the way the world works today. Um, Children are being exposed to very rapidly moving images and texts, so their minds are evolving. So ADHD is is to be expected. Um, My whole thing is... um, that the the mind is being overdeveloped in relation to the rest of of us human beings because we're more than just walking minds. Um, and to reconnect with uh, who we are outside of our minds, uh, this is kind of a large part of what my inward journey was, was to allow myself to reconnect with other places outside of my thoughts. Uh, and that's what I use the ancient texts to do. Right, all this stuff, this new, all these different foods, all these chemicals in it, it, it has a whole big effect on it. And you, and you, and you said it just right. These children are not learning like they are supposed to. They're not. They're so caught up into all this technology. It's, it's very sad. I love the technology, but it's very sad. It takes away from what they're supposed to learn. That's why when they go to school, they're not learning nothing. They stay in there for eight hours or more and come out and and excuse my French and. That's all the other parents, but they know what I mean. You be dumb as a doorknob. Baby, what you learn? Nothing. You still asking the same questions. Because um, mine, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Mine are fifth graders, and I feel like sometimes they're not learning nothing. I mean, the math that they have, I'm like, what are you learning? And I don't have minds with pads and no flat screen TVs or anything. Teachers are not teaching like they're supposed to anymore. I went to school. You learn. I had the old school teachers. You actually learned something. They didn't play with you. You didn't pass to the next grade if you didn't do what you had to do. If you didn't know your mother because you was not going to the next grade. These teachers are passing these students on. They don't care. Everybody mostly want a paycheck. Sorry for getting off the topic of bipolar. 
But that's mainly what it's about. Everybody want to look good for the numbers. Nobody want to really teach anymore. Mine's a fifth graders. They're 11 today, and they're supposed to know. They are they are supposed to know. The math that they're doing is very simple until you hit college. But it's like, okay, what are, what are you learning? You've been in school eight hours. What, what are we wasting our time on? There's, there's some days that don't bring homework home. It's like, really? And you want them to learn, but you don't bring, but you don't have to give them homework. So I'm very confused. I'm I'm proud of my generation. I'm an 80 baby, and I'm proud of the school teachers I had. They didn't play with you. They didn't have time to play with you. They taught you, and that's what it was. So I, I don't know. These teach these this new school is it's so confusing for me. It is, but um, get back onto the subject. Sorry about that. Um, can you? Dr. Jeffrey, explain how you manage your symptoms because um, you, you are taking medication for it or are you doing other things to exercise it out by eating healthy, exercising mostly? No, um, <laughs> I don't take any medications. Uh, what I enabled okay, myself to do uh, was outside of any diet or what have you, and that's to look inside of myself. Uh, and uh, start to feel things that I was subconsciously protecting inside of myself. Uh, so I enabled myself to to feel heartache again, uh, all things that I didn't want to experience once again. Um, if so this, in this way, uh, it was a large part of the way I was able to heal myself. I also had a lot of perception. I, I had a lot of anger with myself, and then I was able to um, come to terms uh, with these uh, perceptions of anger and uh, kind of forgive within myself, um, myself and other people for what I perceived in my life had wronged me. And um, so all these things that I did within myself over the year and a half that allowed me to heal uh, because before the inner journey, I was so angry that I couldn't um, go on anymore. And what I mean by so angry is I mean that my mind had a perception that um, that people had wronged me. And only by forgiving those people within myself was I able to liberate myself from um, the poison that I was drinking from just being angry at everyone in the world. Because... When we're angry in the, at other people inside of ourselves, uh, we're the only ones that get to suffer for that. No one else gets to join in in drinking that poison. So um, these are things that I was able to overcome. Well, it's, it seems like it's doing well for you. And as I said, I'm glad that whatever you're doing with your faith and believing, it's working all in wonders for you. God is good. So what is an experiential workshop? Because you mentioned that, I believe, in your book. And how did it serve as your first step inward? Yeah, so these types of workshops, um, they what they allow people to do is uh, reenact uh, certain periods in, in life that uh, might be traumatic. Either something might have happened like me personally, uh, in, in childhood, I had a very traumatic experience, or at least perceived it as such. So with these workshops, what they enable people to do is uh, it's a role-playing thing. So one person plays like the father, and another plays the mother, and then I try my best to reenact being the child and go through the same event as if it were happening for real once again. So in doing something like that, uh, it kind of uh, enabled me to, you know, uh, re-experience it, meaning I was able to feel it and not just talk about it with, like, another doctor almost saying, well, this is what happened and this is what upset me, which is just talking. But um, to re-experience means to get angry again, uh, to project, to really feel it, you know, um, because I was trembling during these reenactments. I was doing them very seriously. And um, they weren't just in my mind. They were throughout my entire body because I got into the, the act of it and I really put myself back in the situation. 
and uh and there was a there was that was like the first step in so to say was allowing myself to to feel again things that i was um afraid of feeling or confronting once again i didn't want to go back to that um period of my life so to say but by returning back to that period of my life and by feeling it again that's where my healing started and that's what it's all about moving forward and not backwards don't think about what's going on don't think about the pain keep going fight through it and that's exactly what you're doing dr jeffrey you're fighting through it you're not you're not becoming a statistic this is not what i am I'm not bipolar. I'm not manic depression. I am Dr. Jeffrey. I went to school for that, and that's what I am by the end of the day. I love that. That's that's the thing I think people have to let go. We claim it because that's what we believe. See, just as the media, doctors, and most other people, they play emotion on our fears. And one thing about fear, fear works. People are just the same way. When you watch those commercials and they tell you, oh, we're about to close out, we're going to have a sale, this is it. That's playing off your fear. Media plays off your fear. Oh, Donald Trump is president now. Oh, what's going to happen to us? Quit letting things play off your fear because you're going to end up somewhere in the coffin. I love that. You're not letting that take over your life. You're still living a normal life, and I, I really do. I love that fact. I'm glad that you're here to tell us your experiences, and, and we're going through this with you at the same time. Now, you also but what you said is important because uh, that's really, right. in a nutshell, what happens is it is someone might see something on TV, and then mm-hmm. their thoughts changed in their mind. Yes. That's exactly what happens. They say, uh, "Oh my God, this has just happened," and then they create all these thoughts about what happened. Now, how we react to those thoughts. Uh, that's going to determine how much inner peace we could either let the thoughts consume us and then they take us away into this whole state of mind that uh oh, this you know uh what are we going to do now or we could just let the thoughts kind of go and uh let another thought come along and which it does and and kind of just uh, not let thoughts take us away because we're not our thoughts uh we're the beings that 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 think, and that's kind of like what I'm trying to teach people is like um, uh, we're not our thoughts; we are beings that all think. Because think thoughts are supposed to help us out. That's why that makes sense. You know, why would people uh, learn? Why would thinking come about in the first place? They're supposed to help us. They're not supposed to make us suffer. And yet, we see in the world today. Uh, a tremendous amount of suffering, and that's going on because um, people are getting carried away by their thoughts, and it's it's then <laughs> taking over their entire being. Um, they get possessed by their own thinking mind. They become a prisoner of their thoughts, so to say. So how much Why? we respond to our thoughts is going to determine how much inner peace we have in our lives. That is so true. And before we take a break, I want to drop to this, that the two main obstacles, because when I think of all this, I think of manifesting destiny, and I think of two main obstacles that prevent most from manifesting destiny that I learned from my affirmations call is, is one, we're trapped by regret of the past, and two, we're trapped by their routine. They're trapped by the routine of the present. See, you want to change, to me, you want to change your future, you got to change your present. You got to lift your vision. You become what you think about. You think about what you bring about. And if you program your mind with better instructions, you'll move in a better direction. So I thought of that as you were speaking on that. But we're going to come back with Dr. Jeffrey, and we're going to talk more into finding out things that you can actually do throughout your life. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about his book and how you can help others that may be suffering from mental illness. So don't touch that dial. We're not done just yet, darling. And also, don't forget to call in at 347-426-3751. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio. 
Talk. Blog Talk Radio, baby. In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him opening his own clothing store at the age of 18? One in 138,000. Excited to be a part of pop culture, he packed for the big city. The odds of finding someone to invest in his vision? One in 4.5 million. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. All right. Dr. Jeffrey, before we actually went into commercial break, we gave a little bit about the main office preventing you from manifestation, uh, from manifesting your destiny. I would like, because I know in your book, you also talk about the teachings of the Tao Te Ching, if I said it correctly. How did you first encounter these teachings? Yeah, so this uh, this book, the Tao Te Ching, was written um, 2,500 years ago by Latsu, who's the author. Um, and uh, it just happened to be when I was... Uh, in the hospital, uh, one of my friends happened to have this book, and I picked it up and I started reading it. And the book is pretty much a guide to um, learn um, how to listen to our conscious or how to listen to our heart so that we're, we, we remain true to ourselves. What it is is just kind of reconnecting to uh, who we were uh, before... You know, reconnecting to the innocent child once again is the best way I can uh, describe what the book allows us to do because when we're all children, we don't have any beliefs of uh, hatred or, you know, we're just innocent and um, all is good. And then when we grow up, we could pick up stuff from society and then we begin to become... uh, more of a persona and less of the person that we truly are. So this guide is uh, to return to who we were (laughs) before society um, kind of gave its ideas of who we were supposed to be. And why couldn't you, what is, uh, well, not that one, but what is an egoic, I have heard this terminology, but I never really understood it. Yes, so an egoic self is thought-based identity. So in my case, my egoic self would be my name. Like, In other words, if someone asked me who I was, I would say, I'm Jeffrey Fidel. I'm from New York. I have parents. I have a brother. Uh, I went to school here, and I learned this. And and that's kind of how I knew myself before the inward journey. And most uh, people, um, when when we ask who they are, those are the responses that we normally get from people. They'll give the name and where they grew up, maybe, you know, their religion, where they were, what they were taught in school. And that's the ego itself is um, is the thought-based identity. In other words, uh, what we acquired while we grew up in life. Um, and most people know themselves in that way. Um, and that's the way I knew myself uh, before the inward journey. Now, before all this happened... How- now, were you, you were able to share your diagnosis with family and friends. What was their reaction? Was it good or bad? And, and would you probably recommend sharing um, for someone else to share their diagnosis if they if they had that choice in the matter? 
Um, the diagnosis is uh, just that. It's, um, you know, no one likes the diagnosis. But a diagnosis is, when we look at it, we have to look at why a diagnosis is formed. We have an outside observer, a doctor, that's looking at another person and trying to figure them out from the outside. Now, this is almost an impossible feat to do if you think about it because no one can read another person's mind. And to do it in 20 minutes, uh, and do it based upon what the doctor was taught in school. Um, you know, it's just that it's 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 a diagnosis. It's it's not what the person is. Um, so, you know, psychiatry, psychology, these were sciences that were created to do the best to attempt to help another person based upon the observation of the other person. So it's not a, it's not a very exact science. So, you know, my family, myself, I didn't like the diagnosis, but the treatment for my diagnosis never got to the real problem. All it did is by taking these pills, all that uh, does is numb my mind. And by talking with someone else about my problem, that didn't really help me either because I wasn't able to confront myself. And what the teachings of the Tao enabled me to do was to confront myself. Because in the end, the only person that can know if I'm truthful to myself or not is me. I could tell a doctor whatever I want. Um, and I might have reasons not to tell the doctor the truth. Um, this happens all the time uh, during a medical interview. We might not want to tell the doctor something. Uh, there might be a reason subconsciously we keep it, you know. I think if a patient wants to kill another person, they're not going to just say out to the doctor, hey, doc, um, I want to murder my wife. They're not just going to openly say that. So they might have reasons for not being open with the the doctor. So the doctor gets to hear what the patient tells them, but the patient themselves always knows in the back of the mind um, whether they're being honest to themselves or not. And that's why my teachings are we're our greatest teacher because we know ourselves how truthful we are to ourselves. We don't need a doctor to tell us. <clears throat> no, we don't. No. The, I've, I've always thought of the doctor, the, the part, the they would like the extra, the me on to me. Um, God gets the last say so. I don't believe in all that. When you come out, they say, oh, you got cancer. This is your last final word. Uh, this, this is going to be it. No, you don't get the last say, so you don't. I was scared like that, too. When I had my twins, they told me, oh, well, the biblical card wrapped around. You're going to probably end up losing one. Nope. No, 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 no. I'm not going to lose one because you don't get the last say, so. So um, that's why I don't prefer to be on all that medicine. I agree with most anyone who likes to do a holistic healing, I think that's a great option. And, and I think a lot of times we probably wouldn't even have all these issues if we if we eat certain things, if we be careful on what we put into our bodies, you know, um, stay prayed up. A lot of this stuff just goes on. And the government, excuse me, the government has a lot to do with this crap, too, that's going on. Okay, injecting you with everything. Don't think they don't have a part into it. I'm going to end up having a show on that one day. Dr. Jeffrey, I'm going to definitely let you know when I have one. We're going to talk about that because government plays a lot of part. I'm telling you, you better keep your eyes open and start walking around blindfolded because they definitely not for us. None of us, really, they're not. That's why I didn't care who won for presidential candidate. I really don't because no one is for us. They don't care. Everybody just want to do all this big old competition. They're speaking the same game in the same poll, in the same pool, so who cares? Um, now, when, um, but what what you said was important guess, because uh, right. We, no, I'm talking about listening to ourselves because we all know, like you started off, um, to eat healthy. We know that, right. like everyone knows, kind of what's good and bad. Um, so listening to ourselves is pretty much uh, one of the most important things that we can do. 
And that mm-hmm. takes um, a lot of discipline. But, but 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 the more we listen to ourselves, and that listening to ourselves is basically just that, because we really don't need someone else to tell us what's right and wrong. We we know what's right and wrong, but it takes discipline right. to continue to do the right thing. Um, and that's kind of the discipline that's involved. Um, you know, we can go to a doctor and he can give us a pill or we can talk to him, but it's really up to us in the end. Uh, are we going to do what we know is right for us or are we not? Because no one can really help us do that. We're the only ones that can make that decision. The doctor can't do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. Exactly. We do. We got to put in the work ourselves. Um, so, Dr. Jeffrey, um, what is what is a non-dual self? What exactly is that? Is that relating to? Well, well, the non-dual self is. Uh, remember, I, I we were talking about what an egoic self was, which was uh, basically um, a self. If you asked me who I was, I'd give you my name and um, where I went to school, my parents, and what have you. But the non-dual self has no name uh, because no human being can be reduced into names or labels. Because no matter how many names or labels we break a person into, let's say uh, we gave someone a list that said, okay, eyes, ears, nose, mouth hair. Okay, now recreate this person with this list. It can't be done because labels and words can't recreate existence. So the non-dual self is the nameless self that we all are um, that knows itself as existence itself. Uh, And this is, um, we find this self in our heart. And um, what the Tao enables us to do, which is just a, it's there's no religion in the Tao. What the Tao is, it's just a book that enables us to reconnect with uh, pretty much um, who we were before we learned um, the idea of who we are. And that's going back to how we all started off the same way as, as uh, babies, uh, that you know, babies are all happy and innocent, and they're just beings, you know. And then as they grow up, they acquire the ideas in their mind. So the non-dual self is kind of returning to, like, being a baby once again and knowing yourself just as uh, that. It's um, best I can describe it. And that is the best explanation I think I can accept for today. Um, now, Dr. Jeff, I guess the family and friends of individuals with bipolar disorder often might ask, how can we help our loved ones? What is it that the people in your life can do to help you, especially during depression? So for people that are diagnosed uh, bipolar or depressed, uh, and this is what I'm going to be teaching people, um, the greatest help to be the patient themselves is going to have to be more of an active participant in their own healing. And what that means is um, a lot of people that are depressed, they might subconsciously not want to feel again. Um, let's say, for example, uh, they just got divorced. Now, a divorce or even breaking up with someone. I think we've all broken up with someone and, and, you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a wife. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, and that's a, that could be a traumatic event. Now, a response to that, you know, some people might go then into a depression, so to say, because they'll start thinking, oh, my God, I wish I had that person back. If only I didn't do this. So then they'll start thinking. Or or they'll say, oh, I'm so angry at that person, they cheated on me. And all these thoughts will then come in their mind, and they'll get taken away by those thoughts. And if we get taken away by those thoughts, um, 
then that can be a problem. So what I'm teaching people to do is instead of, uh, you know, letting those thoughts consume us to start to feel what we might be afraid of feeling in the first place. Now, this isn't like a fun thing to do, and people that are depressed might not want to do this, but by actually experiencing the heartbreak that they're trying to protect themselves from, um, they'll see that it actually doesn't kill them, uh, that it'll have a feeling or a sensation to it. It might be a little... um, uh, 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 it, it might feel a little unusual because, uh, but it won't kill them. And by going to these places or drawing their mind's attention towards their heart, so to say, there's healing that's involved in that. And over time, they're not going to be afraid of themselves anymore. They'll just uh, learn to, you know, because I think part of being human is to feel. We can't just run around grabbing medications and uh, avoiding everything. I think that kind of takes away the whole human experience. Um, And that's something I know I wanted to do once again, was to have the ability to feel, because uh, one of the reasons uh, many people don't like being medicated because it takes away their ability to feel. You know, you can walk around like a zombie, uh, kind of. So we we can't be afraid of feeling inside of ourselves. Uh, and that's kind of uh, where my teachings come in. Instead of um, getting angry or developing thoughts of, of anger or depression, just um, allowing ourselves to feel once again. And that's exactly what I was talking about, walking around like zombies. That's why I don't want to put my daughters on that type of medicine. Um, and you don't know what's inserted into this melting. How does it not FDA approved and or whatnot? So you have to really be careful and be mindful of it. You have to use your own judgment, as you just told them earlier today, Dr. Jeff. You have to. I guess my brings me to the question: Why is the present moment so important in regards to this? So the present moment is very important because the present moment is where life occurs. Uh, The moment of now, which is the moment we're experiencing as we do this show, is really the moment where life is. So the more we can draw our mind's attention to the moment, uh, the more we're liberated from our thinking mind. So in other words, we can take an example. Let's say uh, at this moment we're eating uh, a slice of pizza, for example. Now, many times we could be eating this slice of pizza and our minds can be thinking about something totally different and we finish this pizza and then we're like, man, I, you know, I didn't even realize I just ate that pizza because our mind wasn't paying attention to what was going on. It was off in another world, so to say. So by drawing our mind's attention more to what it is we're doing in the present moment, we get to experience life a lot more. And that's what's so important about the present moment is uh, being able to um, focus on on the now. Now, um, I did a little research, and, um, and most books and articles describing bipolar disorder Many say that people with this illness experience triggers or things that would set off a change in mood. Do you have any of these triggers? And if so, how do you have them? And can you describe them if you have any? No. For, well, for me, what it is is uh, when they talk about triggering off something, uh-huh. if, if something happens, the only thing that can get triggered is thoughts in the mind. And then okay. the response to the thoughts in the mind is what's causing the problem. So I don't allow my thoughts to consume me anymore. That's how I liberated myself from, quote, unquote, bipolar disorder. Because if someone says something to someone, for example, let's say they say something uh, offensive, uh, you know, let's say someone called me ugly, I don't know. So I get to kind of choose how I'm going to respond to that. Now, 
I could take that personally and I can say, uh, oh, how dare you call me ugly? And then my mind starts to generate all of these thoughts. And then my entire body becomes threatened by the thoughts of my mind. Uh, I go into like a state of anger, almost like, uh, you know, someone coming after me with a spear where all they did was call me ugly. So it's really up to me how I'm going to react to my thoughts in the end. I could either just walk away, which is what I would do nowadays, or in the past if someone had done that, uh, I might be foolish enough to have responded to that and gotten angry about something like that. So how we respond to what people say to us or how we respond to thoughts in our mind is really that's the answer. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be broken into like it's a biochemical imbalance. We have to take medications. No, it's not really that complicated. It's more we get to decide as human beings uh, whether we're going to take something personally or not, you know. And this is why we see if someone cuts someone off in the road, some someone goes into a road rage uh, because they allow their thoughts or their mind to take them over and then they become uh, extremely angry and they drive erratically and they take it almost as a personal offense where someone might have just accidentally um, merged into the lane without looking. But this is why it's up to us in the end of how we're going to react to what people say to us or what we say to ourselves, which is basically what thoughts are in our mind. We're basically talking to ourselves without saying the words out loud. Right. Now, with your book, how did you come up? Because I love it, I. And at first, I didn't even notice the I. I was reading everything else, especially when I got the press kit, and I was like, okay, oh, that's the name of the book, I. And it's just, it's so explanatory, just I. How how did you come up with that title for that book, I, Unnameable? Yeah, so... Uh, the funny thing, the, the book, uh, I was going to just name the book, I was going to put it a blank, like no name at all, like the White Album of the Beatles, but I didn't know how I'd be able to sell it like that, because then uh, I would have no title. So the vertical line is pretty much up to the mind of the interpreter, so it could be either I or one, uh, and if you put the book horizontally, it actually turns into a minus sign. I came up with the book uh, just... To um, the title was just that, that it's up to the mind of the interpreter what to make of the title. Um, so most uh, people that speak the English language that will look at that book, their mind might say, well, that's an I. And so the title of the book will be I for them. But uh, if I take it to another country, uh, they might see that. And uh, if they don't speak English, they'll be... Uh, well, they might not have the word stick, but they might be, uh, that looks like um, a stick that we see on the ground, and that's the way their mind will interpret it. So symbols are just that. They are kind of up to the interpretation of the mind. So uh, the book was kind of just to um, put a symbol there um, and show that uh, symbols are just that. They're kind of the interpretations up to the mind. But for the, for the purposes of uh, the book, it is called I. Um, so that's how I came up with it. Well, now, before we before we start ending this show, where can people actually find your book? So the best place to find the book is on my website, which is jeffreyfidelmd.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-F-I-D-E-L-M-D.com. Um, and then there's a link to the book. And the book is also an, on Amazon. And because the title of the book is just I, it's hard to find it on Amazon. So the best way to find the book on Amazon is also utilizing my name, Jeffrey Fidel 
MD, um, and that's the best way to find the book. The book also has a subtitle, just to help a little bit. So it's I, One MD's Inward Journey to Liberate Himself from Mental Suffering. So they might also uh, search and utilizing those extra words. Right. Well, I do. I, I appreciate it. And I think the message here today, as you stated throughout this interview, is that we're just people. Um you're no different from no one else, no matter what you have, cancer, diabetes, you're still yourself by the end of the day. You're just coping with the illness, and that's basically it. And the same the same applies anywhere. We're all the, still the same people. We're just coping with the illness. It's not a death sentence. Uh, we're hard work, and it can be controlled, but it has to start up here with your mind. It has to, and you gotta stop. you got to stop listening to yourself. More like talk out loud. But stop actually listening to your inner thoughts because sometimes inner thoughts get a little tricky. Um, but, Dr. Jeffrey, what would you want to share with someone who's newly diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Yeah, so I'd like to share what you just uh, instructed is that uh, we are our greatest teachers, meaning that we have the answers within ourselves just like you called it an inner self. Um, I call it listening to our heart, listening to our conscious. Um, Even if another person diagnoses someone, that's not who they are. They're not that label. Um, And it takes strength for the person to now just try and heal themselves, and they can do that by allowing them to feel um, not to be afraid of going into ourselves is is kind of the message because um, by feeling again and by forgiving uh, within ourselves, in other words, to um, start to um, not hold as much anger inside of ourselves, these are the steps that we can take to heal ourselves. And, and these are things that the patients can do for themselves that they don't need another doctor um, to do that. The doctor might mean well, and I'm not recommending that they just not go to their doctor, but um, the patient uh, or the mental sufferer uh, can take a more active role in their own healing, and that's kind of my message. And what I provide is is, is going to... Um, provide some of these teachings that I learned in order to heal myself. And that and that's all done within the human being, within ourselves, because every person has to walk their own path in the end. No one can walk it for us. And like you said, all human beings are the same. We might have different beliefs and thoughts in our minds, but that's about it. We're all the same. We're all human. Well, that is our time for today. Dr. Jeffrey, I appreciate you for coming on to the show and sharing your story with us. It's greatly appreciated, and I hope to have you again in the near future. But before I leave you, my listeners, I know that we have extended our time, but I want to leave you with the truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen. Look inside yourself to find a place where love begins. The blocks you have to love, either finding love or loving yourself, lie within you. Inside yourself, inside your own heart, is the place you must first look to dissolve these blocks. All of the blocks you have towards loving yourself or anyone else were taught to you by well-meaning people. You are now an adult and could choose at any moment to perform your own miracle and remove the blocks. Why are you repeating patterns of negativity, self-loathing, or judgment of others when you did not like seeing these patterns as you were growing up? Spread your love around. See with compassion. Reach out to help others. Become determined to see good. Do it now. Today, look inside yourself to find all love you seek. Enjoy the day. And remember this, either your goals expand to match your mind or your mind with strength to match your goals. For joining me on A Bright Side with Technish, and I will see you on the next time. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technisha. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.